Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wake up, America! It's time for the adventures of Hype Man on W4CY.com, West Palm Beach's number one internet radio station. Here's your host, the Hype Man. It wasn't oh so long ago. I let you inside my soul All that's left are memories and some change This is Pipe Man here on the Adventures of Pipe Man, W4CY Radio. And we got a real cool interview coming up now uh, because... Not only is it some badass music, but some badass conversation about some very important things uh, that, you know, we're all dealing with. And to me, music is always the best therapy. Always. So I would like to welcome to the show Christopher Harold Wells from the Neverlutionaries. Thank you for having me, Dean. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show today. Yeah, I had I had to make an exception to let you on the show today because, you know, I'm I'm originally from Jersey. I'm a Giants fan, and you know, your <laughs> your father almost blocked you from being on the show. <laughs> actually, if you look, my father was a Giant for oh. a season, and it's actually on the Giants all time list. Oh so well, you there go you check go. That out, sir. Well, there you go. Now I feel better, okay? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but got to love that NFL. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, as we were briefly talking about before we got officially rolling, uh, got to record a really wonderful record uh, towards the end of last year at High Street Studios in San Francisco where everybody from Train, the Dead, Santana, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Tupac, you name it, there. And there's like a palpable magic in this room, you know, specifically in High Street Studio C, aka Wally's Hideout. And uh, it's actually where like the dead would kind of go when they got off tour to kind of sequester themselves. And I think they did Working Man's Dead there and a couple other things. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. But just to be, you know, working with uh, some great guys and um, the guy that uh, dear friend of mine, Jameson Durr, who 
uh, he and I co-produced it and he mixed it and uh, engineered it. And he is actually, he had a, he did a record with Sammy Hagar in the circle last, in 2019 in May, that actually hit the Billboard charts at number one. So that's kind of, you know, and he works with Satriani. So I was a little, even though I know him, and, and we got, of course, a lot tighter since we worked together. He's like one of my close friends now. But I was a bit intimidated because he worked <laughs> with these guitar wizards, you know. So I guess my and, question is, while you were in that studio, like, uh, did you get, like, some advice from the ghost of Jerry Garcia? <laughs> um, actually, I talked to his cousin, Larry Garcia, who was sleeping in a tent out front. And he, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Actually, I, I would go around there, and you, you do hear a couple of little interesting late night noises there. So I was just, you know, at this point, I was just like, anyone, if you're positive, give me some love where you're creating positive thing, you know, get my hippie on. Yeah, there you go. Bring the light, <laughs> bring the light brother. We need it in here. <laughs> but it was, just, <laughs> but it was just such a a wonderful thing because I've recorded a gazillion times at this point, but doing this record with the majority of the players on it being my good friends and the tracks just literally were done in one or two takes and we're laughing and cutting jokes, just doing the normal thing. And it just, it was such an easy process. I was like, this is too easy. And I was kind of nervous. Because it went too easy, but then I was like, what's up? But then when this year or last year got all crazy, I was like, okay, I can dig that now. That makes sense. Now we have a sense of balance. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just just really excited to, to get the music out to people, you know? I'm very, very proud of it because I put my all into it, you know? And we need it more than ever right now. With all that's going on, you know, music to me is the best escape, the best therapy, and uh, that's definitely what your new music is. Like, I could get, just like listen to a a dead song, I could get lost in it and forget all my worries. That's, what is it, um, the trends, the transcending, the transcendental, transcendental quality of music that can take you places, you know, that, that can make you, that moves your spirit and, all that stuff. And that's, that's part of, like, I feel very lucky to have been chosen by the cosmos to have this is what I do, especially now. That's why I've even been digging deeper. And when I was finishing up the record, just trying to write something that would move people and that people would know it came from a pure place. It didn't come from a point of you know, someone going, I wonder what's going to make it on the charts. What's good now? Let's do that. It was what was there and it came out. That's you true know? music. That's true and, music right there. You know, like a true musician, yeah. in my opinion, isn't creating a song to get on the charts. They're just creating a song to create a song. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I feel the music so deeply. I even had it happen Sunday night. I just woke up with a tune in my head, like somehow wrangled myself out of a deep sleep and woke up and kind of started humming. I hummed a little rhythm into my phone and went back to sleep, you know, so I'm even getting music in my subconscious. So that means it needs to come out. So, you know, I just feel lucky that I've been, you know, it's like a, a, a gift. It's like communicators are the ones like what you do. You communicate, you, you play music for people. You, you have a great personality. You have a way of, you know, easing people down and people like us are needed right now, Dean. Yeah. Because the world is hurting. 
Oh, especially no doubt. our country. And it, we're the healers. It, it is. It amazes me every day that, okay, so like the same things that songs had to talk about in the 70s and 80s, we're still talking about in 2020, 2021. And as a matter of fact, you know, everybody was looking forward to 2021 so much. Here we are on the 12th day of the year, and I'm like, can we have 2020 back? Because this year ain't starting off too well. <laughs> yeah, but I have faith in humanity and in mankind. And I think that even, you know, that everything happens for a reason. I'd like yeah. to be cliche for some folks, but I believe it does. Um, sometimes until you turn the light on the things, you don't see what's hidden in the back. Yes. And everything from the misguided and very obvious uh, lack of uh, law enforcement at what happened last week to other things, these are things that need to be addressed. And my hope is at the end of the day, and it might take a couple of years, that positivity and light will prevail. And because darkness is necessary, because if we have no darkness, we have nothing to compare the light to, and we have no balance. It's necessary. But this is some real dark shit. Oh. <laughs> so I'm hoping it'll be, that we'll be able to, to, to grow through it. You know, I've had some people that were, you know, calling me like, you think I'm cool, but you don't think I'm one of the bad people? I'm like, man, I love everybody. If you love me, I'm going to give you some love. And even some people that don't love me, I love them too because they need love the most, you know. Yeah, and I, was... I agree with the light thing because my viewpoint is, and uh, you know, if a hater is a hater and they're standing next to me, I'd rather know. Like, bring bring on your hate so I know you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, c- compared to like, if nothing else, like the cockroaches have all come outside now we can see them. <laughs> You know, they're they're running around and they're they're angry and they're you know I just I just feel sorry for people that don't have enough spiritual and moral fortitude that they have to that they're hurting so bad that they just have to like if I don't like somebody I just don't deal with them exactly just don't hang out I don't sit there and go I don't like you I don't like you I don't like you just don't deal with them you can hang out in the woods or wherever you go to hang out. And, <laughs> Hang out with exactly who in the hell you want. You can even run up in a damn tree and hang out up there. You know, just it's it's preposterous. It's preposterous, but necessary. Yeah, well, necessary. going in what you said you know, before, I posted on Instagram just yesterday a, a meme that says, stars can't shine without darkness. Awesome. That's deep, right? That's some, That's very deep. And it's true. Yeah. It's necessary. It doesn't make it even, doesn't make it better, but it's a necessary part because it makes us check ourselves because I know a lot of people that were supposedly really positive people and, um, what's the word I'm searching for? Very politically correct and all this that are like, wow, I might have some deep set issues that I didn't realize. Yeah. Gee. And if you can put a light on something now, and have the time to work through it and work through that darkness to get to a better point, then heck yeah. And if it takes people, you know, 
like this this year, you know, it's like people are it's so crazy to walk outside and not wear a mask and be around someone for a couple of minutes extra and you can die. Yeah. And that's like some really far out stuff. So it really puts everything like I've gotten a lot closer to my family. I talk to them a lot more, especially being away from my parents who are older now. Um, it's it's tricky. But I'm not willing to put them at risk because of my loneliness. Well, and you know what, too? Here's my viewpoint on the whole thing with the masks. I don't care what you believe, what you think, or whatever. You know what? It's just about having respect and love for other human beings. Because at the end of the day, for me, is I'm not wearing that mask for myself. I'm wearing that mask because, God forbid, I ever kill somebody from the corona um, that, that ain't my gig, you know? So like if wearing a mask is going to keep other people safe, so be it. Mm-hmm. Man, I remember when I was flying back last February in the airport and there, when we were at NAM in Anaheim, there was something that people were joking and calling NAM thrax because there are a lot of people that were sick. And this is where people are coming from all over the world right after Christmas, right after the New Year. And there are just people just hacking and coughing and crooping like, what do you got? Like, he has a damn thrax. And I'm not going to say what it was, but it's, it sounds a lot like something we're dealing with now. You know what's so, interesting that you brought hmm. that up? is I, I've said for a long time, I've thought I had COVID back in February. And it's funny that you said what you did because I didn't even think of that part of it. But, you know, I was doing radio coverage at NAM, and, you know, I'm doing interviews. You know, one of the worst ways to spread something is through a microphone for sure, sharing a microphone. But then oh, what? I did the Oscars. I did a, it was a Sue Wong uh, Oscars party that I did the red carpet for, and they just flew a bunch of people in from China for this event. And afterwards, me and a few other people on the red carpet were like deathly ill and went through every stage of what they now call COVID, which wasn't COVID then, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting that you said about NAM because then it makes me think, well, maybe I got it at NAM. Who knows? Man, I'll I'll be, I have a, a story of my own. When I got to San Francisco, I was staying, I think, at the Omni, which is like uh, in China. It was some big, gigantic hotel in Chinatown, right? And we recorded like 23rd, 24th, 25th. Around right before the new year, I started feeling funny as hell. I was actually at my producer, uh, at uh, my producer's house. He and uh, he and his lady took a little trip. You know, I, I was like, hey, you got a great talk. I watched the dog and finished laying out my album here while you guys are going. So he invited me to do that. I couldn't even sing for a week. Huh. It felt like needles when I was taking a breath. It felt like there were needles in my lungs. Wow. And after about the eighth day, and luckily they were gone for a while. And it's like I said, if I don't feel better by tomorrow, I'm going to go to the doctor. You know, because I've never had a flu shot or anything, any of that stuff like that. You know, I was kind of like inoculating with some darkness or some disease. So I've never had one. But I tell you what, it's like I I could almost, from the way that they're describing it, it sounds exactly like where I was. And of course, by the time I was able to get tested, which was probably in May. Too late. It was already out of my body. It yeah. was. It was already. 
Same with me. I'll never know if I actually had it because they didn't have testing until long after it was out of my body. But I'll tell you what, when I hear everybody's stories, it's like it was like page for page, exactly what I lived Mm -hmm. through. And think about it. How many people are enamel walking around? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I know it's a trip. I I ended up running into my good friend Kenny Olsen. He's a amazing guitar player you might have heard of a, a couple of bands you played with back in the day one used to rock like a kid <laughs> <laughs> but uh he's an amazing guitar player and i met him out there and we went to a couple shows and jammed and did all this fun stuff and we're just all up in people's faces you know and people later into it people were just kind of coughing more towards the end of the weekend i kind of noticed i'm like dang on this namthrax and people namthrax is real <laughs> so all that being said, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of knew it was going to get strange back then. And even before flying in February, let me circle back around. When I was um, at the airport, I had two masks on. I actually had like a, one of those nice 3M, and uh, the nice mask with the plastic gasket around the face and all that stuff. I had two on. And people in the airport were laughing at me. I would have I been one of those people back then. Because I remember being in the airports, you know, and I was like, I would watch people wearing masks. Like, I remember right before this thing started, actually, I remember somebody sat down next to me in an airplane and they were just wiping everything down. And I just looked at them like, man, what are you, some kind of freak hypochondriac or whatever? <laughs> and then now here we are. It's like now I'm wiping stuff down. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's some far stuff, but if nothing else, it's gotten us to get back into family, yeah. you know, where people have spent more time. I'm, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir that you've spent more time around your kids than you have. And a lot of people really didn't even know their kids and know their family until now. Yeah. The time that we usually have is the past, the past by. I see you when I'm on the way out, seeing the way in, have a meal. You know, most people nowadays don't even, like, sit down as a family and have dinner. So there's all this quick socializing compared to people sitting back and talking. You know, like, I remember back in the day sitting at the table with mom and pops and my sister and just, there was conversation. And we, what'd you do today? What'd you learn today? Did you learn any new words? Did you do this? Did you, there was so much. It was like an education session that I don't know if a lot of people even do that anymore. A lot of people don't. Yeah. But COVID has forced people, you know, like I've seen it bring people together. And unfortunately I've seen it drive a lot of people apart, but I think that's a good thing. I'd rather spend an intense time with someone for a few months and realize, you know what? I'm not feeling you at all. I got to (laughs) go and have a couple of months wasted compared to three or four years yeah no doubt and i gotta because tell you getting... Go we, we live in this world before covid where everybody's just going a million miles per minute it's a 24 7 life you, you're never disconnected you never slow down and that's the blessing of this whole covid is it forced people to slow down and and experience life Mm-hmm. yes and that's why they got to slow down and experience the Neverlutionaries. 
That's right, man. That's right. And if you if you check the flow out to it, I don't know. Did they did the um, the PR company send you the full record or just a couple of singles? Uh, they they sent me uh, the whole record stream, my, my own private cool. link. Cool, cool. And and I'm glad you got the whole thing because I wanted to do it where I have so many different. As, as you can tell, listening to it, I have so many different influences. I love really good songwriting, the solid songwriting I grew up on, and I love really big guitars and. <clears throat> big bass sounds. I was able to kind of show the whole gamut, run the whole gamut of my sound from like something like Ariana, which is kind of shoegazy to something like save yourself, which is just heavy and kind of angry. But I kind of think it's, we, as people go through all these points, you know, and a lot of people now don't make records or don't make recordings anymore where they link where that at all it has a continuity to it where you can listen to the whole thing from start to bottom you know and that's why even at the end of it i put that um ellis street blues because it's like such a different track than the rest of them that it leaves the listener you know it leaves them on a curious note which possibly wants them to listen to the next one when it comes out yeah there you go it's the cliffhanger yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually, I've been starting to kind of track the follow-up because it was so long ago now, it's we first started tracking it. But I'm already kind of uh, been writing for the next one and just trying to take this energy instead of just, you know, take this energy and create something with it so I can look back at time and I can remember when we're at a time when things are a bit more calmed down and we don't have wild monkeys running in the, in the um, House of Representatives running around hurting people that we can look back at this time and go, wow, that's pretty cool. You know? So that's part of my thing is just to keep, you know, just keep writing what's in my heart and write something that's going to be relevant to the times and relevant, not more like in relevancy as in genre, what's hot right now or what's happening, but truth and honor and music and writing something that at the end of the day, you're like, you know what? I wasn't trying to sound like this guy or that girl or this person. I sound like it came out sounding like me. And we're always going to have a little, you'll always be able to tell someone's influences because if someone says they're not influenced by anything, they're lying to you, you know, because it's, (laughs) you know, and for me, I love so much, you know, like most genres, like there's even like, I like old school country like when it was actually country instead of like that confusing and morphed into where you have like a dude on a tractor with Metallica t-shirt on and a pair of thousand <laughs> jeans. That isn't country. Country means like Hank Williams Sr. in the back of a Cadillac, you know, rolling. There you go. <laughs> you, know, that's, you know, and it's not that, I don't know. Well, you know what's funny about that? That's true because like, okay, so I'm a metalhead, rocker, punker, hippie, and so... I love Hank Williams Jr. because of the opposite reasons, like because it's more like rock. But if you're going to be a country fan, why would you want it to sound like rock than just be a rocker? You know, so like a lot of this new country, I did dig some of it because it sounds like rock to me. But I think if you're into country, it probably isn't that good. Yeah, because it's not the thing about country. 
like one of my favorite singers of all time is Patsy Cline or was Patsy Cline because she just had something in her voice. Like Stevie Nicks has it in her voice too. It's like this thing that draws you in. It's like this, a magical quality to it, a je ne sais quoi, you know, like an it to it that just makes it so special. And then when you take a great voice and you put a bunch of, well, what's happening? Let's get Ronald. He's the, the one making the country hits now. He puts like a, you know, a Marshall stack on every country song to give it some dirt. And let's get this guy and put a cowboy hat on, you know, all that stuff is just like, ah, you know, I just want to, just, just about the purity of the music and writing something that's that's real. And, if, you know, forgive me if that's someone's real, then, you know, that's their real. But it has to come from a place that means something or else it doesn't mean a damn thing. Absolutely. And, you know, it... Uh... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the things I really love about you is that from looking at your history, you're not just specific to a genre because you've been involved in many genres. And I think that's way cool because I think being put in a box of a genre, especially nowadays, there's so many and so many micro genres that it's ridiculous. And I think a musician is a musician and you should just play what you feel. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, that. and that was something that was that I wanted to... I wanted to get across that, you know, you, a musician doesn't have to, it's your own thing. If you choose to be that guy, that's like, you know, I'm going to try to ride the next wave or what goes down each wave crashes. <laughs> so if you find your own consistent current and find your place within that and do you, you'll be fine. You know? And like, even with the, the next one, you know, I, I really love, electronic sounds because they're so new and so fresh. Some of it's kind of corny, just like, you know, every genre is not going to, you're not going to love every part of it, but I want to put some of that in, in what I'm recording next, you know, and just, and just have it so that it evolves. So when people pick up an evolutionaries record, they're like, I wonder what, where, where, what direction they're headed in this time. And they're excited to hear it instead of like, it's going to sound like the last one. Great. That would be terrible. You know, to write this, you know, like, I love Aerosmith, but they have, they found their niche and they, they stuck with it. They found that lane and they're like, hey, this is our lane. But I would, after 20 years of music, hopefully you want to write something that shows that you've evolved. But it, I guess when you get to a point where you're as big as a band like that was, it's about what the, you know, the pop and selling the most units and sticking and not losing your key fan base and all that stuff. But when you do that, you lose something because well, I'm sure they've written other songs that don't just sound like, you know, what we've heard. And I know that's kind of back in the day, but well, all that to say is I have an example for that. Okay. So, okay. And, so, and I'll also add that like Steven Tyler does country now. So there you go. Uh, and, and, but, uh, 
So I went to one of the first Metallica shows ever. So I'm one of the original Metallica fans, like the original 25 Metallica fans. And so I was the one of the ones, along with the rest of the 25 of us, that basically as soon as they started changing a little bit, you know, getting a little more commercial and what have you, and really they weren't getting commercial when you become an adult and think about it. They they were just, you know, expanding their horizons and, and, you know, really like being musicians. But to somebody like me that was a teenager uh, at that time, it was like, oh, posers, screw them. We're not listening to them anymore, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, they may have lost their base of us 25 and they gained millions and then their base of 25 later came back anyway. So, you know what? Exactly. Sometimes you got to risk the base to get to the mountain, bottom line. And, uh, you know, I thought you could relate to that too because, you know, in, in some of your earlier music projects, you, you know, opened up for them or played with them. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was a kid. I was like 21 years old or something, and we got to open up for them in Metal Church at a venue in Raleigh. And it was, you know, I, I can relate. Like the Metallica. I mean, I I had the first. Um, it was called Metal Up Your Bum. <laughs> yes, you could say it. Metal Up Your Effing Ass. <laughs> metal Up Your Ass, and uh, I loved it. I was, I mean. I remember playing anesthesia, pulling teeth, slash whiplash over and over again. I was like, how's he, what in the, and I was just like, goosebumped out. That's my thing. I'm the goosebump guy. Well, if something gives me goosebumps and like that stuff always gave me goosebumps because want- it came from a real station. Even when they changed, it was cool because could you imagine this like one of people and you're playing 300 shows a year at least. Oh, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. Listen, I used to sing thrash metal when I was a teenager and I look at bands like Slayer and stuff. And I'm like, how does he sing after all these years like that? Because like I'll try sometimes on my show. I'm done after one song because it's such brutality <laughs> on your throat to sing thrash metal because you're not singing it like right. like you're supposed to. You're not singing from the gut. You're singing from your throat. And it definitely, it's like, uh, I'll be halfway through the song and mute in the mic so I can cough. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting too is like uh, you, that you brought up Whiplash because it, instantly flashed me back to memories of back in the very beginning before they went to Frisco when they were still in LA and mm-hmm. we would go well, to, McGovern, right? Yeah. 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 And and Dave Mustaine and, and, uh, so basically they would play at the Troubadour and then you would go over like to their house afterwards and party all night long. And I remember such a strong vigil, like, there's not much you can remember because, you know, like they say, if you were at the Sunset Strip during the 80s and you remember it, you weren't really there. Um, <laughs> but I just remember there were like 30 of us lined up inside this house with Whiplash playing on the stereo, all headbanging to Whiplash in unison. 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, that's just the way it was, man. It was just like, like I, I you know, I got to tell you, I, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I'm glad I grew up in the times I did because, especially if you're a metalhead like me, to grow up in the beginning of metal like that, before the, like, listen, Metallica wasn't even thrash metal because there wasn't even such thing as thrash metal. They were actually considered power metal when I first started Sam before they went to Frisco. Thrash metal didn't become a term until San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they were even considered more British metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Because they were like a lot of... Like a lot of the British bands are in like Tigers, you know, I think they're like in Tigers or Pantang. Yep. All these other cool groups. But yeah, they pretty much, I think they're what the ones that did it, you know? Well, it's, such a, it's, I just love the energy of that stuff, though. Well, it's amazing, too. I talk about it a lot of time. Like, okay, if you take the big four of thrash metal, None of them, they were so unique from each other. They didn't sound like the same genre because they didn't sound the same. It's not like today where you have these micro genres and every band in the genre has the exact same sound to it. Like you could listen for two seconds to Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, or Megadeth and know which one it was. Yep. Within seconds. Exactly. So that's why I think it's really cool that you're well-rounded as a musician because there's some musicians that aren't well-rounded and don't have the experience in the different areas and don't experiment in different areas. And, you know, unlike when I was a teenager, as an adult, I sit here and think to myself, you know what? A really good musician transcends genres. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One, one of my favorite bands, and one of my biggest influences has always been has always been Led Zeppelin. There you go. Um, for the fact that they played the textures behind what they did shifted constantly, but it still sounded like them, almost like Prince. The stuff behind them shifted constantly, but it sounded like Prince. You know, and and that's something that I and other bands and projects that I had, I, I didn't do it successfully enough, but I always wanted to to have that as a very important part of it, you know, so the sound would continue to grow. And so that the, you know, people, the fans could grow along with you and they could experience that with you and discover these new things, you know? Well, there were transformations back then. You take Zeppelin, you take the Beatles, like there were transformations. You take, take either one of those bands and go through all their albums. They, they, Mm -hmm crossed multiple multiple genres and they just like did their thing and and it was never the first album was not the same as the last album for sure mm-hmm. completely different yeah. actually considering the fact that they had the same elements stylistically everybody kind of grew into who they were compared to that um zeppelin one they were just finding themselves you know page page wasn't even using a i think he recorded the first record with like a telecaster huh. you know because that's what he was using with the New Yardbirds at the end of it. And uh, it, it's still something that I think they're, they're like my biggest collection. I think I have like their whole collection or whatever. And I, I'll still listen to it a couple of days ago and I'll catch something I didn't catch before. Because as a producer, he's the dream producer. You know, it's like he, he 
did it successfully. He didn't, you know, he didn't take the easy, they didn't take the easy route. I'm like, let's just stick here in this lane. He's like, screw it, mate. Let's go wherever the fuck we want to go. You know, and they went. And that's something that now I think the, way the industry is, people are afraid to do that. You know, that's why I feel like I'm, re- I, I'm I don't feel like I'm lucky. I'm very lucky to even be with the, the label uh, and polychromatic records that I'm with because, you know, before hooking up and getting everything about the eyes and crossing the teeth, I was like, there's certain things I'm not doing and I don't want to sit there and, you know, because I have a very a forcefully independent spirit. And he was like, man, just do you. I love it. You know, because nowadays, <laughs> nowadays, you don't have that. Like, I've had a couple artists I've managed. And what I learned from, you know, dealing a lot with the record labels, you know, especially the, the big record labels, is like, they. I had one artist, she could basically sing any genre they don't want to hear that. Like when they ask you what genre do you think you're in, and you if you answer, well, I, I I can do anything, they're like, nope, see you later. You know, they want you to be one specific genre, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then they quickly remove you when you aren't successful within that one piece, and then you're screwed for the whole thing. Yeah, you know because. It's hard to get re-signed if you're known as a metal, a country artist, to get re-signed as a metal artist. Even though that might be something that's realistically in your repertoire, things you do, and a part of your sound. You know, so, once again, I, I give Polychromatic just a, a huge shout-out. Because I don't have that thing like, yeah, I don't, I don't know... <laughs> Can I let them listen to it? Everything I play for, you know, play for them, they're all like, they're about it. And it's just been one of the most amazing experiences in my life because I've had things where I was Pepper Keenan's guitar tech many years ago. Uh, Pepper. That's know, cool. I'm sure you know Pepper. Uh, COC and Down. Yeah. And I, uh, I love COC. I saw them when they were hardcore punk. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's who I kind of, Reed Mullen, rest his soul. Well, I saw him the last day on Christmas of last year because I was in the, at High Street recording and I had another buddy of ours that was in town and Reed was in town working on a record with a buddy of mine, Mikey, at his studio. And uh, last time I saw him, and it was weird, it was like, he, he said, man, you're, 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 you're recording at High. He said, that's awesome. He was like, man, told you, man. It's going to be all right. You know, because he was the one that like, he was the first friend I knew that kind of made it. That, that had, you know, that I remember when they were writing about in this band and that his dad had brought him and stuff to like, you know, when they were on Columbia and that's when I went out on the road with them. They were on a, you know, big ass tour bus, all that good stuff. And, I got to see the whole thing and I'm still really, really tight with Mike. I was actually talking with Mike Dean yesterday. He's a good friend of mine. I've done some recording with him too. He's great. He's a, he's a keeper. He's what I call for realian. Do you know how you meet these fake people in the industry and it's like, they're saying everything and doing it right. He's like old, you, you would love him. He's an old school punk rocker. He sticks to his morals and he sticks to what he believes in and he, he holds a firm ground. 
you know, and that's something to admire when you see someone, especially that's been through that whole thing of like the fiercely independent band, you know, that's like this undercover thing. The next, you know, they're on Sony. I mean, you know, Sony Columbia, you know, and then not so much. after that. So I've seen the whole gamut and it's kind of neat to kind of watch from afar and you kind of learn. And I've done with, with a couple of bands I've worked with, I've kind of seen what to do and from, some unfortunately i've learned what not to do well there you go sometimes those are the better learning experiences to be honest yes yes because those will get you in the worst trouble so it's good to get that shit out the way right off the bat no you know like there are things that never i'm like never going to do that like i used to do this thing where you know when i was younger i would have you know, I would drink five, four or five beers, a couple of shots before I, you know, do a show. And I was like, yeah, that's what I do. Then they have this thing called a tape recorder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> I listened to myself and I sounded like canned ass in a shiny can. <laughs> and, uh, I've never heard what I, that sounds like before. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, I think I just came up with that one, but that's... that's <laughs> The worst thing, the worst thing, it sounded bad. And so now, you know, I don't, I might have like, you know, I don't even drink anymore. But before I would have like maybe a little glass of wine. But my thing is now, I really want to get across what's in my spirit out to the people. And I'd rather get it, get them the purest form of it possible and not dulled. You know, there might be a couple little tweeds involved once in a while, you know, it's, it's a green, it's going to become a green country at some point, but anything that will deter from me putting the best show on that I can, because I look at it like I have a responsibility. Someone spent their money that they could have bought something for their kid, something for a loved one, something they wanted, but they spent that money to come and see me. So I owe those people. I have to give them the best. What a great idea. Going somewhere else. And I take that shit seriously, Dean. You know, some people are like, oh, man, whatever, just trying to get, you know, get my swerve on. I'm like, no, dude. These people drove miles and miles to hear you play. Rock them. Yeah. Like, even if you speak right now, I've been retooling my gear and getting ready to, you know, kind of since I snapped out of my COVID funk, as I call it, and now thinking about, you know, when could we possibly do some live shows? I'm starting to get everything together. Probably be uh, jetting from the East Coast to get back to San Francisco as soon as uh, things get a bit more under control with the virus. And, you know, just really want to give people something special. So, like, if you were to come see the show, when you do, and you're hanging out backstage on the guest list with me, no jokes, you could be like, dude, you put that shit down, bro. Yeah. You did your thing. That's the way it should be. And I think that's the way it is. I mean, because I've been disappointed in seeing bands, you know, and you, you know, like you know every note on the record. And then when you see them live, you realize you're like, oh, damn, that sounds nothing like it. Hmm. Yeah, I've but, had it go both ways. I've had There's bands that I love, and I see them live, and I'm like, yeah, I don't care if I ever see them live again. And then there's other bands that I didn't like, and I saw them live, and I'm like, oh, man, they're my favorite band now. But it's so tricky to capture that. You have to have a producer that understands you. That's why, like, even working with Jameson, 
he didn't come into it as a normal, like the the typical producer would be like, hey, take what you have and beat you up and break you down and make all these suggestions so they could put their stamp on it. Jameson was about getting kilos that I knew the songs. He was about getting killer tones and great performances. There you go. And luckily, I was able to do so, and he even gave me a nickname. He called me One Take Jake, even though my name is Christopher. <laughs> nice. I, I dig it. I'm kind of like that, too. Like, I'm one-hit wonder, but if I screw up on the first one, then it takes me, like, 50 takes. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a tricky thing, but at this point, I've been playing so long, and it's such a part of me. I mean, and I literally have musicians peppering my family tree on both sides. I mean, deep, deep, both sides. You know, shucks. My granddad, I mean, my dad, there's a guy named uh, William Christian Handy, or was a guy, and he was known as the godfather of the St. Louis Blues. Nice. And they call him W.C. Handy. You might have heard him by that name. But my dad was actually chosen to be in his, I guess in St. Louis they went around and they got like a trumpet player from this school and a sax player from that school and another trumpet player from that school, like a little all-star band of sorts. And my dad was a part of that. So, and his dad played. So literally, my thing is, I want to be the first Wells to put our family name stamp, you know, band put our stamp on music because it's literally on both sides. I got all kinds of musicians in my family and that's something that always motivates me and, and pushes me. You know, like if I'm like, I don't know if I can do another take, I think about my relatives and how they never had a, a, a situation like mine where they could put the music out, but they played. Should I have aunts and doo-wop groups? I mean, it's just so heavy that I feel a great responsibility. It's like a, it's like a, a thing of duty and honor, I feel, with music. It's not just like, you know, and that's what I was kind of bastardizing when I was young and I was getting all trashed and thinking I was cool and people were like, look at that drunk fucking idiot. He's a damn clown. You know, and I thought it was cool, but they saw me running around with like, you know, some floppy shoes on and the red nose and a curious Afro wig. And that's a, now that's somewhere I could never go because it's not just me. It's not just me. And that might be a whole lot of pressure I'm putting on myself, but if I get something positive, from a positive thing like wanting to bring honor to your family and the other musicians and the family that, you know, never got to do it. Never got to, you know, get their record out. Never got to have, you know, a Dean the Pipe Man listen to it and want to talk to them. So I have to be, it's a deep responsibility. I'm, you know, I'm not just representing myself. I'm representing my whole family. Well, there you go. So mm-hmm. we're running out of time here. Let's, and it was great stuff. Let's give everybody all your contact information, how they can connect with you on social media, how they can check out all your new music, the the newest single, Stumble, and uh, and uh, the new uh, EP when it drops. It's dropping yeah, on February twelfth. Mm-hmm. Two days before the day of love, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> or the day of 
uh, unrealistic expectations. Yeah, right. What it's like. <laughs> but uh, you can find uh, follow me on Instagram, Twitter at Nevolutionaries One. Just do a search. You'll see our little symbol up there. It's like a a crown with a lightning bolt. And when you see that and look for the Nevolutionaries, we're, we're all over the place on the internet, you know, and just sign up, like us, you know, be a part of it. Um, because I think uh, we have something really wonderful to share with you. You know, I mean, like I, we mentioned earlier, it, it comes from a point of purity in my soul. So you're getting something real. And a lot of people nowadays, they can say it, but how many of them are saying it? Well, that's the biggest number one reason they need to check out your music and check you out because it is coming from a soul and it is real and you're badass. And thank you for making us great music and thanks for taking the time here and giving us some great stories too. Thank you so much for having me once again and feel free to call me whenever, man. And I look forward to the day that we can meet in person. Absolutely. And and grab a beer or maybe a sandwich. There you go. Let's do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dina. I appreciate you. You got it. Thank you for listening to the Adventures of Pipe Man on W4CY Radio.